0: Hello and welcome to the Rabbit Hole Podcast. I am your host, Michael Nunez. The panelists today are Aaron Strider, Emmanuel Gennard, William Jeffries. And today we'll be talking about retrospectives, the why's, the what, and the how. We
1: got any learns and teaches today? I have a teach. I was mob programming uh, with some colleagues and I was using Vim again, which I haven't done in a while. And one of my colleagues noticed that I had made a change and wasn't sure what the hotkey that was that I had used. And I told him that I'd used the dot repeat and he got really excited. And it reminded me of how excited I was when I found out that you could hit period and it would repeat the previous command in Vim. It's super useful. Have you
2: read Vim at the speed of thought? I think that, yeah, that's a book about Vim and that is the number one suggestion. That's the first tip. N dot, N dot, end dot. It's very useful.
1: I'll have to check that book out. That uh, I've heard people talk about programming at the speed of thought. I did not realize that that phrase came from, came from a book. But now that I hear it,
3: I'm sure that it did. Oh. What does the end do in the dot? I don't know the dot is repeat.
2: Okay, so let's say you're searching mm-hmm. for, a, uh, for a regex on the page. Yeah. So you search, and then when you go, oh, you go the to the next one... Oh, the end goes to the next
3: regex. Yeah, yeah. I've yeah, used so it to I do that. In this
2: particular book, he recommends instead of doing replace all... You make a change on the first one, and then you press N, you go to the next example. I
0: get that. And dot, and dot. All right, very cool. Today I managed to teach someone sync settings on Atom. So Atom is the preferred editor of choice uh, at the client that I'm at. And someone was getting a new laptop and was afraid that they would lose all their configurations. But with sync settings, you can save all that. You get the application or the package, Uh, install it. You then make a private gist to remember your data. It creates a JSON file with all the configurations that you have in Atom so that all you have to do is when you install sync settings on another computer, you just get that gist hash and then it'll install everything like right on the fly. You set it and then boom, it's just awesome. Is gist required? Yes. I believe according to the settings,
2: it looks for a gist. And Adam's owned by GitHub, right? Okay, that makes
0: sense. That's their motive. I think they're trying to push you to use their services to get that done. Uh, But it was great, because then you want to make sure that all your configurations are exactly the same from one machine to the other, and sync settings will definitely help you do that, which is dope. Today, we're talking about retros. Does anyone here want to
3: enlighten the room as to what is a retro? Yeah, I've never been to a retro. Don't tell anyone. Um, (laughs) So I'm really interested in what a retro even is, really. Yeah, I can talk about that. So a
1: retrospective is a meeting that is one of the recommended ceremonies in Scrum. And the purpose of it is to look back on how things went over the course of the past sprint, uh, talk about what went well, what could have gone better, and most importantly, what we're going to do about it. So they should have action items People have different ways of doing retros. There are lots of different techniques that you can use and you should be flexible and do whatever works best for your team. But overall, the purpose is to give people a a regular recurring time to air grievances and make suggestions for how to move forward and, and make the team better.
3: For that, does it ever kind of devolve into the blame game? Or is there a way to avoid that?
1: I don't think I've ever seen a retro devolve into the blame game because it, it usually, I mean, I'm sure that's a thing that happens. It just hasn't been my experience. I think, you know, maybe I'm making it sound more team-focused than it is. is really it's really, it's about how things went, not about how people behaved, generally. So usually the kinds of things that come up are like, oh, we weren't able to deploy this week. Um, let's talk about why that happened. Or, oh, we got a t- new team member and our velocity jumped up. Like, let's celebrate that. So, there's positive things as well as constructive things that get brought up.
0: There are times where you may end up, I guess, playing that game, but I, before that ever happens, you have to make sure that retro is a safe space, a safe space for you to be able to express those feelings. But it's not always about, hey, this person didn't do to us well. more like "Oh, the we as the team didn't do well, so rather than blaming someone for it, you talk about actions that you were able to do that you were unable to do, and then you try to create ways to ensure that you do more of the things you want and do less of the things you don't want. but it's not like you sit there and be like oh this this feature didn't happen. I wonder why, and then look at someone who may have had issues throughout the week, but it's more about, hey. You know, we were unable to achieve this goal that we said that we would. How can we ensure that that can happen next time and that can bring up, you know, action items? Like knowledge transferring is a thing. If that person's out, then you want to make sure that everyone knows what to do, that kind of stuff.
2: So I just want to point out that retrospective is from the Latin root (laughs) retrospectare. Nice. (laughs) Which obviously means look spectare and retro back Mm, and in other contexts such as you know an art exhibit or every three years the film forum has a retrospective of fellini films it's usually his best films the ones most remembered not the ones that he's less remembered for so uh yeah retros can be a celebration of what you did well in in the previous sprints
0: No, that's awesome. That's a really good way to look at it because that's exactly what you do at a retro. You look back at the previous sprint and talk about what happened. You mentioned Fellini. Is that the name of the person? Yeah, sure.
2: The film director. Yeah,
0: the film director. Um, In those retros, they may just look at his best work, but in a retro, normally in Scrum, you look at everything, which is the Mm -hmm. good and the bad and try to maximize the good, minimize the bad and make sure that everything goes well so that the next time you have a retro those action items have been covered and whatnot.
3: So it sounds for me like the biggest why for, to do a retrospective is really to have at least a forum or maybe space to have space set out that so that you can, or the team can, I should say, the team can kind of take, take a look at itself, right? And that probably is one of those like, you know, feedback things that it's really built into the Agile manifesto of getting that constant feedback about things so you can know, try and improve whatever you're doing and change if you you need to really. Any other ideas why you would do a retrospective? To me, the purpose of the retrospective is to
1: do better next sprint. You identify the things that went well this sprint so you can do more of them, the things that didn't go so well so you can do something about it. Uh, And then you make a plan, like here is how we're going to get better.
0: Yeah, so that you use that time. and. Retro should be something that happens like often so that you have that time and that space mm-hmm. to share your thoughts about what went well and what didn't go well. So oftentimes people look at retrospectives and think it's nothing but like all, all the bad things, but it's usually a really good time to celebrate. Like, oh, we deployed a big feature that's getting a lot of good reviews from business and that kind of stuff. So and you never get those celebrations. Like, oftentimes, you don't get those celebrations because, up oh, just on to the next feature. But with the retro in hand, you can take 15 seconds to say, we deployed this, and we feel great about it.
3: I would actually like that in the, in the project I'm on right now. <laughs> we deployed a bunch of stuff. It was just on uh, to the next one. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So with that space, it allows you to celebrate. Take, you know,
0: 15 seconds to appreciate the work that you did and and the work that the entire team has done.
3: Um. So... Who should show up at the retro? Would say, it seems obviously that people on the team should show up, but is there anyone else that maybe would be useful to have at a retro that maybe is not there every day with everyone else?
1: I would say no. I think that it's pretty rare for it to make sense for somebody who's not a part of the team to be in on a retro. The one exception maybe is a facilitator. If you have somebody whose job it is, who's like, Particularly if you have a team where nobody knows how to run a retro, you might want to bring in somebody who does to act as a facilitator and have that person be in charge of making sure that there's a good rhythm, that, you know, everybody gets a chance to speak, that you cover all the major sections and make sure that good action items get taken down. I think that you get uh, the seagull effect, you know, where somebody comes in and They're not a member of the team they just swoop in to the retrospective and they poop on everything (laughs) okay (laughs) you really want to avoid that
2: yeah yeah i absolutely agree that an outsider can run the retro but who should be in that retro i think the people who are in the planning meeting for the sprint and the same people who plan the sprint should then be at the retro and in fact it's pretty common to have a retro for the previous sprint and then Right after that, you have the planning meeting for the following sprint, so you piggyback them. So it's the same people, yeah, um, in the same meeting.
3: Ah, so it would be like one right after the other, more or less. Sure,
2: yeah, and it would be much more helpful to have the retro first and in the planning <laughs> yes. meeting, and not the other way around, because there wouldn't be enough time to do a retro if it were otherwise.
0: Oh, so you just book a room and you you talk about last week, sure, and then you go on to the next the next week. Excuse me, the next sprint, and from there. You just hash it out. Sure. You, no one leaves the room.
2: 10 a.m. Thursday morning to 10:40 retro. 20 minute coffee break. 11 a.m. to 11:40 planning for the following sprint. Next Thursday, 10 a.m. Repeat.
1: That's pretty short. 40. That minutes would
2: be an example of a short retro. Sure, an hour. What's
0: what's uh, average you guys have experienced for
1: planning and retro? I'd, I'd say two hours for each. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think I think if you're doing if you have a small team and you're doing them if you're doing it every 2 weeks or every 1 week you can get away with an hour. But 1 hour is I think like the the shortest that you can really get by with. I mean, I don't know. I mean, if you're having good luck with 40 minutes then then that's great. I find that um an hour especially for retros always feels tight. And I've seen I've seen them drag on for 3 or 4 depending on how it all, it depends a lot it's, I think, primarily a function of how many people are in the retro and um, how long of a period of time you're retrospecting on. So if you if you have really short sprints, then your, your retro is going to be shorter. Right.
0: Yeah, because I think on average for me it's one hour for both the retrospective and, and the planning. And that, that usually works out for me. I never felt like it was too long. And the reason why one hour worked is because we had them every week which you get to cover a week's worth of retrospecting in one hour. But if like you your sprints are a month for some reason that they're really long, then you might need a longer retrospective. So it all depends on your sprint, on how big the retrospective
3: could be. What has been the thing that the, you feel you've gotten the most out of a retrospective? Is there something that sticks out from a particular one or maybe... What happens on a more regular basis
0: i think um one of the things i do like about a retro is that like oftentimes especially in my team right now there are some people who are like very quiet and to themselves but they know that in the retro if they want to share something they can do it they'll write it down and and make sure it's posted so that the team can see that they have that there's an issue that everyone agrees on and then we can talk about those things i just think like ensuring that everyone's happy about their work is the one big thing I get from retros. Like, oh, we want to make the team better. How do we do that? And everyone joins forces to do that.
2: I enjoy the first phase where you can get your thoughts on paper and you share with the team your thoughts and concerns. And um, I'm a software developer. It's my opportunity to show that I'm interested in the business side and wondering if something's going all right on their side. If I have a particular issue that uh, on the software development side that I I just want to share, it, it's a very open space where I can get it out there, and that feels good.
1: I think hearing what other people have brought up is my favorite part about the retro because I always feel like my whatever it is that I that is most on my mind is going to be the thing that's on the top of everybody else's minds, and sometimes it is, and sometimes it's not. So. Like, seeing where there is a difference of opinion is, I think, often the most telling part of the retro.
0: One thing I find useful about the retro is, as an engineer, uh, there are different parts of the team that I may not be aware of. Not that I'm not aware of, but... you know QA is going to do something different than what I'm building. So I'm building this feature and then QA has to ensure that every all the features are working well, but I get to hear their concerns at the retro. It's not just, you know, the engineers who are dealing with issues, but also the infrastructure engineer who had issues with deploying onto production. It's the QA who had an issue with testing a particular feature for a very for, for a very long time. And with that in mind, everyone gets to listen to everyone's problem. And if there's a way that another team can step in and help them iron out those problems, it's a good way to just make sure that the team works well.
3: Yeah, it sounds like retros are this vital team building tool. Am I I right to think about that? I absolutely agree. It's crucial.
2: Uh, for the team to come together and to, it, a lot of stuff gets ironed out and, and you work out issues and it should be a great team building exercise.
1: Yeah, I hate to get preachy because I feel like there's more than one right way to do it. And there are probably people out there who have awesome teams that don't do retros, but I agree, I feel very strongly, this is a really important meeting to have. Of all of the ceremonies in the, that are recommended in Scrum, this one I think is the most valuable for me personally.
0: Yeah, I actually look forward to it because it's like everyone's going to join in and talk about how we can be better at the end of the day. And the fact that people be enthusiastic about making oneself better is something I look forward to because that, that's what I want to do. I want to get better. I want to be awesome in everything. So if I get a chance to do that with my team and if I can help out the team in any way, shape or form, then I'm wanting to do that.
3: Right, very cool. I think you made a pretty, we all made a pretty good case for why retros are useful uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back and talk about uh, how to actually have a retro.
0: And we're back from the break. Today, we're talking about retrospectives, and we were going to get into phases of the retros. Uh, does someone want to kick us off on the phase, first phase of a retro?
1: I think that retros are, like a lot of other meetings, where there are three distinct phases. One is the ideation phase, where you're coming up with all of the you're coming up with all, all the ideas and there's no such thing as a bad idea and you just want to get everything out there and then there's sort of a a more constructive phase where you in a retro you would you would start grouping the different cards that people had had put up there organizing them in terms of things that are positive versus things that are constructive or need changing and maybe grouping like items and, and then lastly the phase where you cut, eliminate, focus in on the, the key points. I like to think of the, the first phase as a yes and phase where the creative juices are really flowing. And then the second phase is a yes but phase where you're really starting to apply some critical thinking. And then the last phase where you kind of settle in and create action items. Do, do other people have a different perspective
0: that sounds about right to me. And like the brainstorming can literally be anything that happened on the, on the team. So like, you know, a positive could be a new team member who's joining, who's bringing, you know, a fresh pair of eyes into the team and how things run. A negative could be a snowstorm happened. So not a lot of work was able to get done because the network was down. Like so could be, there could be issues that are out of the reach of the team. And then there could be issues like, oh, unable to fix this feature because business kept changing the requirements in which you get an action item out of that. Like, what do we have to do to ensure that we could get a feature done from A to Z with no interruption from the product owner or the business in that aspect?
2: Yeah, so should we talk about the different phases
3: individually for a little bit? I I have a quick question about the brainstorming phase. When you are doing this, is it automatically everyone is just writing down the ideas how do the ideas come up because i've i've been in groups where if the person is saying something or if it's like everyone just shouting stuff out certain people will dominate the conversation and other people like may feel you know, well, I don't have to say anything. Everyone is saying something or maybe I don't want to say anything or maybe I'm, I'm kind of going to be shy here. It doesn't really matter what I have to say.
2: Yeah, there's many ways to run the brainstorming phase, but I think a key point is that it's quantity over quality. Mm-hmm. Just get them out there. Everyone has a voice. If you um, have something to say, this is your time to share and a good facilitator will enable this. So a facilitator might... Um, ask people to write on little sticky notes, like a brief sentence that they would read out loud. You know, one person might be happy about that they uh, completed this feature this week, and then there'd be a sad that there's lots of technical debt. And and both of those ideas would go up on the board.
0: Yeah, like uh, Aaron mentioned, you get a ton of stickies. I guess like if you had a one-hour retro, you probably take five minutes, and each person has... You want to keep like the same color so that you can identify who's writing what. So if you had plain yellow post-it notes in a Sharpie and everyone's writing their ideas out and just putting them up, all your ideas are there. There's no one over shouting or talking over you because everything is just written out on the board. So even if a person who doesn't is really shy, they still get that opportunity to voice their opinion when they put the sticky note on the wall it's human
2: nature to start addressing each issue right away to Mm -hmm. start uh, discussing possible solutions but it's it's actually not the time for that it's more important to get more ideas out there so a good facilitator will cut short any like extended discussion over any particular um idea
1: yeah i think um it might be helpful to go over some of the nuts and bolts in terms of like equipment that you're going to need yeah like Sticky notes or index cards, or if you have a remote team, then either a Google Doc or a Google Doodle, something where people can, um, remote people can share their ideas. Some people think it's important to identify who it is that contributed each idea. Some people don't. I've done it both ways. I kind of like anonymity. I think that people tend to be more honest if they can't be directly traced back to the action item. But there's, I'm sure, lots of good reasons for making things identifiable too. So in addition to the thing you're actually going to write all of your uh, retro items on, you are probably going to want to have a board that has a parking lot for things that we want to discuss more later, that you want a table for a while, a um, list of who, what, wins for your action items? Which I guess we can talk about later when we, when we get to that section. And you probably, want, you might want to have a one sentence board where everybody writes down a sentence about what it is they're hoping to get out of the retro. At a minimum, you need the cards. I I've seen on some teams I've done freeform bullets, and on other teams I've done cards, and. What's nice about the cards is that they kind of force you to be succinct.
2: Yeah, let's move on to the identifying trends part.
0: So what what does that involve? So usually in a retro, um, a lot of people may have similar ideas that they put on the board. So the facilitator will then, after the time allotted to actually put the ideas up, the facilitator will then try and group them into different trends on different like pockets and separate like okay people are happy this person joined the team people are you know want to discuss our deployment process and how we can make it better a lot of people are concerned about tech debt, and you the facilitator takes some time maybe three minutes to five depending on how long it takes to find these different groups of ideas so that we're not talking about each one specifically but we have a general idea like okay we have something here and we have something there and some trends may have three stickies, some trends may have seven. That way, we don't have to read each individual one, but just grasp the idea of all the ideas that were up there.
2: So, William, you you mentioned this as the yes, but phase. So, I, I wonder if you could expand on that. What did you mean?
1: So, one of the things that usually happens during this phase, after you've gone through and taken all the cards that are similar and grouped them together, is... You will dot vote on which items should should have the floor because you're probably not going to have enough time to talk about every single item that people put up, nor would you want to, because a lot of them are like "Ah, Thanksgiving happened. That was awesome. Like that's that's true. I don't know that we want to take time out of the meeting, though, to talk about it. So the dot voting allows everybody to, um, hone in on the things that they feel need the floor, need to be discussed. So usually everybody gets three dots or maybe, uh, however many dots you want on my current team, we do, um, three dots for positive things and three dots for constructive things, because the positive things tend to not get a lot of votes. And I think it's, it's, important to take some time to celebrate during the, during the retros and to reinforce the good behavior from the, the good processes. So then once you actually get into discussing the items that have the most votes, that's when people often start to push back and they say, well, yeah, our cycle time is higher, but there are all these good reasons why why that happened. And it's just a fluke and we should probably not have any action items related to it because it'll probably go away next sprint or whatever.
2: I always find how it's interesting how certain topics people just rally around. I don't really understand what the wisdom of the crowds is. I don't quite understand it, but it's always fascinating what people tend to choose during this phase. And it's, and it's interesting when, um, like a topic that only, maybe only belongs in one trend. Only one person mentioned it during the retro. But then everyone decides to vote for that one. For example, usually, you know, people might talk about, you know, tech design. Or um, one day, one person said, like, stand-up meetings are late, you know. And everyone chose that one. And we came up with a whole, you know, I guess we'll speak about that more in the next phase. But but it's amazing uh, what gets chosen during this uh, this. Process,
0: yeah, because like even though you have, you can have a topic that has seven different post-its, It could be that one that everyone's actually really interested in, or may overlook. Realize, oh snap, that's a problem. I'm gonna vote for that because I want to talk about that.
3: That's
1: interesting. I never. It's happened before, but I never realized it. It seems like there is a hurting effect sometimes, where people just want to pile onto the popular topic.
3: Okay, well, the final action items
0: right so then after having that discussion um and trying to figure out what are some of the ways we can not have a particular issue if it is an issue because if it's a good thing i'll probably there is no action action item you keep doing that like there's not much for that but let's say if we had too much tech debt that we need to go through we have the who what and when or by when And suppose we had a discussion about tech debt. All right, who's gonna tackle the tech debt? Bobby's gonna take two hours at the end of the day to look over and work on tech debt for the next sprint. That way that Bobby can then work on that and he's responsible for that. So if you wanna know the status of that particular action item, you know who to go to. It's not just, all right, team, let's all do better. Like that doesn't, it it isn't a goal that you can point at and say, have we progressed or have we not? How do you decide the person?
1: I think it happens in the, in the group. I mean, well, what do you think? I think usually, so you want to have who, what, when's where there's a very specific person, a very specific thing and a very specific time for completion. And it usually seems like there's one person who is the most likely candidate for a task i find that most often it's the the product manager or the or the project manager who is the one usually the one leading the retrospective and who usually handles a lot of the admin stuff i find that uh, often the retro items are we should have this meeting or schedule that but for things that are more directly related to the code and things that an individual team member could could take on it usually, in my experience, is who doesn't have that many action items already. So you can kind of share the burden. You don't want, you know, just the, the, your one team lead doing all of the all of the action items.
0: Yeah, you can't throw them all at Bobby and then expect him to go and just tackle every single action item that has been run out in the retro. You want to spread it out, make sure everyone has, you know, a good amount of work to ensure that those action items get met.
1: Yeah, and it's important to have those, like, expectations for when it's actually going to get done. Because if you don't, if you're not checking that next retrospective to see that everything actually got done, then um, it's really easy for action items to drag on forever. When do you check the previous retro's action items? I've seen it different ways. On my current team, we have a separate storyboard, uh, and we make stories for all of our action items. They're not, they're not written out like user stories. So as a me, I'm going <laughs> to do this
3: and right. buy that. I mean, that's interesting, right? It's, it's again, we got into the, the bolts of this here, and it seems like, I don't know, every time I learn more more about Scrum, Agile, and all of those things, it just seems to me that they're there ultimately a, a set of things to try and have people talking to each other and be on the same page about things and moving in a right direction in the, in a direction they want to move in. Let me say that. And uh, yeah. And at the end, of, know, the end of the day, the end of this podcast, end of a meeting, it's, it just seems like all of this is trying to make a better team or a better c- communicative team, some things like that. I don't know if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. I mean, cause at the end of the day, you want to ensure that everyone's on the same page and that, particular idea is let's be better than before we started this retro and by the beginning of the next one we should get better by obtaining and completing these action items at that particular point in time the entire team gets together and express their feelings and their ideas and it's important because you want to make sure that everyone knows the pain points of coming into work and if there is any if everything is all fine and dandy which 99% of the time, there's always something that you can work on. That space is there for you to do that. And when everyone comes in looking to better themselves as a team, your team gets better.
1: Yeah. I think that what's nice about Scrum and their recommendations around which ceremonies to have is that they cover your bases. Like you should have a plan and you should touch base regularly. So that's the planning meeting you should touch base regularly to communicate with your team members about what it is you're doing. That's the standup. And then you should periodically revisit the things that you've done and, and try and see how you can get better. And that's the retro. And I guess there's also demos and perhaps a few other things, but generally it tries to focus you on the bare minimum number of meetings in order to be able to, to accomplish that kind of communication and that kind of process. Because if you don't have a framework and you're just ad hoc trying to schedule meetings when it feels like we should have a, a look back and see how things are going, or it feels like we should get together and talk about our general plan, then you end up having too many meetings, or too few, of the, or too many meetings of the wrong kind.
3: I'm amazed that anyone would have to be convinced to try this out. Don't you want a better team? You'd be surprised,
0: though, because like a lot of people see a retrospective as just another meeting and it's like, oh, I don't want to We'd rather be, you know, building out these features than having this. But it's un- not until I usually find that I have struggle with the product owners who just want those features out. But the developers and the engineers are the ones that really want retro because they want to express some ideas that they have and how to make their process better.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think often when people push back against Scrum be- or against Agile in general is because they've had a bad experience with with a, a, a improper implementation. And so they've been in retros that take an entire day and the action items never get done anyway. And it's like, why would you bother?
3: Right. I had some, someone in a client express that to me this afternoon right before... Oh, interesting! Yeah, the the type of retros they were having—they just were pointless to him.
0: Well, that you know, have them listen to the podcast and (laughs) see if they uh, they change their mind. Do you want to talk about any retro tricks, tricks that you may have up your sleeve to in a retro to facilitate, or facilitating or being a
1: part of, and types or whatnot? So, one thing you can do if people are waiting to see how other people voted. Like you were talking earlier, Aaron, about hurting when everybody ends up voting on the, on one item and it's unclear why. I think sometimes it's because they see the team lead or somebody higher up picking that to talk about. And so they, they want to be agreeable. One thing you can do is you can make it anonymous or you can give the last person to vote one fewer vote as a incentive to go quickly.
0: Interesting because that last person just saw everyone vote. So he's probably going to pick the ones that he or she, excuse me, he's going to pick the one that has the most just to finish it off.
1: Yeah. I think another thing that I like to do, I guess you could call this a trick is to give people a way of piling on without voting for a thing. So like we I had a team member move on to another project and everybody wanted to like express that yes, we, uh, like, somebody put that up as a hard thing that happened this week. And everybody wanted to say, yes, I agree, we miss this person who just left. But there wasn't really anything to discuss. Like, right. we all knew that he was leaving. We knew for a while. Like, <laughs> now he's gone. It's a bummer. What? Do you, yeah. Okay, moving on. Yeah. So, um, I have, uh, like, on my current team, we, we have plus ones on cards. And anybody who wants to can go and do a plus one. But that's not their dot vote.
0: Oh, I see. Just a plus one is to acknowledge that they agree with that, but that's not their
1: vote that they're willing to discuss with on. Right. It's like a hell yeah, totally on board, but you know, I'm not going to spend my vote on that. I just right. want to be supportive. Oh, interesting.
0: I like the plus one. I should use that. Introduce that to our retros.
1: Yeah, I would,
2: my tip would be to be honest. If you are saving your sad face for someone leaving a team that is sad, but is there something that you're not sharing the retro is often a good time to raise your concerns. I would also say like any other meeting, put down your smartphone and your computers and, and pay attention and uh, be present. That's uh really crucial for for retro to work. Absolutely.
1: Seconded, plus one.
0: <laughs> yeah, because like even the laptop I'll could definitely like, just the fact that everyone will see, like, oh, this person's on a laptop. Like, what's going on? What's more important than making the team better, right? And it's almost disrespectful. It's like, you have to pull that person. Hey, next time,
1: close that laptop. We got we to gotta make the team better. And that doesn't really look good. Yeah. I, I'm guilty of that. I've totally done that. And I, it does make me less present. And it makes me less able to contribute. And I hate, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it when other people do it. I hate it when I do it. Just be present. Close your laptop.
3: All right, uh, so we have learned a lot about retros today. um, And I've learned a lot about retros today because I've never had one and all of the other panelists have had one. um, And I look forward to hopefully having a chance to try them out. There are a couple of things I'd like to speak about at the (laughs) client I'm at. It's a pretty good client. I enjoy it, but there are a couple of things I think could be made better and would lead to a better team and working environment. Any closing thoughts? Every team should have a retro. That's I, I definitely
0: suggest it. it's pretty dope to get to listen to your team members opinions and their thoughts, their pain points, what they're happy about, what they want to work on, what they want to make better. And when everyone has that, that energy, it just makes the team better. Like, you know, that your team, people on your team want to get better. All right. Awesome. Uh, that was a great conversation. Does anyone have any picks they want to discuss for this uh, next week?
2: Well, I recently moved to a new client and I'm working in, on a front-end JavaScript React uh, project. It's, a, it's been a while since I've uh, worked on the front-end and um, we're using Webpack to compile all of our JavaScripts and CSS into one file, the CSS in the JavaScript file. So when you open the source, it's just one loading
0: of one source and it blew my mind. Yeah, it's like magic. It's just like this whole thing that gets compiled, right? Yeah, so it sounds like you've been working with it for a while. Yeah, we have. It's been a configuration that happens in our React project, but I never really fiddled around with Webpack. It's just been set up, and I save my project, and it gets bundled, and then Webpack does some magic, and it's amazing. All right. That's yeah. my pick. There you go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to thank everyone and all the panelists who are here today to talk about retrospectives. That was awesome. And thank you all for listening to The Rabbit Hole. We'll see you next time.